Good morning, everyone. <laughs> it's a pleasure to, to be here. Working correctly there. There we go. There we go. Um, I'm going to backtrack a little bit today to, to pick up where I left off and to give you a little background to what I was, what I was doing uh, weeks back. And uh, just just touch on it. I don't want to go too far, but I gave you some homework, and I'm hoping that you've done it. <laughs> you've been working with it. Oh, I see the light is not. Okay, I should might be able to wiggle that maybe yeah, or something. Is it that one? Okay. Anyway, backing up just a little bit on the on the lesson that we had done in the past. There we go. Uh, lighten the outlook, make my face look brighter. <laughs> okay. Um, but back a while ago, I started teaching on the coming up with the um, steps, you might say, or the pathway to uh, uh, end time events that were going to be happening. And uh, I called the first one, I guess, uh, Jesus' second coming. And then I added a little more on to that as to what I wanted to cover at that time. And then I went backwards the second Sabbath, second time I taught it, and taught of the final judgment with the plagues kind of adding in more things that are happening in the end time. And I heard just recently, we better watch out for something that's going to happen January 4th. And uh, I didn't want to get worried about it. But that happens to be a very important date to me, <laughs> start of a new year and so on. So um, watch in your uh, foreign newscasts probably. I may not hear it in American newscasts, but... Uh, if you get some foreign broadcasts, you might want to be watching what's going to happen in the United States and other parts of the world as the new year turns over. And I guess January 1st will be very much the kind of the first business day, maybe. Anyway, uh, the end time events. And uh, there's things that, that I know I missed by not going back into uh, the uh, prophets of the Old Testament. You have uh, the uh, larger writings of the prophets, of certain prophets. And then you have the minor prophets, only minor because they didn't write as much, I guess. <laughs> but they have maybe just as good of material in it or needed materials in, in the prophets that they wrote. And uh, even in the New Testament, you see, we see it written that every Sabbath that they have a reading in the uh, prophets, and of the Psalms and the Proverbs. They have readings. So we need to be reading them, right? We certainly do need them. So that was the second one, and I got into Revelations 12 and 13, 14, 15. So if you haven't caught up with me, you need to read that uh, to do the uh, homework, as I put it. <laughs> it's always good to know something that needs to be read or that's going to help with the story without me reading it to you here in the pulpit. So those are, are good things. Uh, 12 is a recap of the Old Testament with a child coming in the, to a woman. 
the woman being the church of the Old Testament. And immediately in the same chapter, it switches to the New Testament woman and a baby being born there. Aha! It's actually the same baby, isn't it? But he's not a baby anymore in the, in the New Testament times. He's a Messiah and teacher and um, return to Heavenly Father in heaven. So um, then this, this sermon is on a recap, which I just did, and uh, more of the book of Revelation, where you have chapter 16 and 17, maybe even some in 18, that we can get to. So I'm going to have to hurry along, as you can tell, not tell too much of the whole story. But what caught me first in talking about this is some of the um, items in the New Testament uh, and in, in the book of Hebrews, we have people, Hebrews, Revelation, we have people saying, well, you can't read the book of Revelation, you won't understand it. It's confusing, it's out of date, it's got words that we don't use or something. And I'm thinking that's only true if you don't read the Bible at home. The more you read the Bible at home, all of a sudden all these things start making sense. So I thought, well, what I might do then is to just turn to uh, um, Psalm 1-1 and I'll show you how easily it can be lost or gained because we all, I'm sure, should know the Psalm 1 and one more that I'm going to look at. We used to memorize these in our Sabbath school classes when I was young. And uh, it seemed so commonplace later that we know all these words. Or do we? I'm thinking of words that came along where you you have a song that says, um, uh, my bark so small and frail is in the song. What's a bark? And then you have to think, oh, okay, that's like poetry, that a bark can be a boat, it can be an ark, it can be a basket, okay? But in in that song, the bark was a small boat, so small and frail. So let's look at at Psalm 1, 1 through 6. Blessed is the man that walketh in the counsel of the ungodly. Walk, pardon me. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor nor standeth in the way of the sinner, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. The the walking, some people say, well, what what does that mean, walking? Well, that's a type of behavior mannerisms that that you go along with. And if they're not good ones, you're in, you're in the wrong place. And that's the ungodly it mentions. Well, we sure don't want to be there. And I heard that sermon many times when I was young, that we should not be in the counsel of the ungodly. Counsel? You're going to ask for advice from people that don't believe in the Heavenly Father, don't live right, don't do things right, haven't got good mannerisms? No, that wouldn't be a good idea. You need godly counsel. You need to be with godly people and around spirit-filled people that you can gain something special, spiritual. And in the seats of the scornful, and I can remember him naming one of the games that everybody loves to do in the area I came from. Everybody did that. 
and I could never remember the name. I'd been thinking about it all day yesterday and all this morning already. And I couldn't think of the name of the game. What was it called? Hockey. No, hockey's one of them, but there was another one. Indian uh, game, lacrosse. I would go A, B, C, D, D, and I never found lacrosse. And now here where we're living, who, what's a, what's lacrosse, you know? <laughs> but it was a big deal when I was young. Well, if you're sitting in the seats with those people that are cussing, swearing, yelling at the players, screaming at them, smoking, chewing tobacco, anything else, better not mention too many, you're going to sit in the seats with those people, join in in their mayhem, and, and may, no, 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 it's not a good idea. So we have to know what these things are. What, what does scornful mean? Scornful to the Heavenly Father's way of life and way of doing things. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. This is the, the person that's trying to choose righteousness, a blessed man. Uh, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Are we doing that? We sure do need to meditate. Well, you can really get wrong answers from people that don't understand the Christian way of life. What kind of medit meditations and what kind of words would you say and how do you act during meditation? Verse 3. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season his leaf also shall not wither, uh, and when and whatsoever he doth shall prosper. Okay, backing up there just a little bit. Are you a tree? Well, that doesn't make sense to somebody that doesn't understand biblical talk and and um, poetry and things that you know have different meanings and so on. Uh, yes, we are like a tree. Uh, we need to bring forth fruit. What, what fruit? Not peaches and grapes and so on. This is spiritual fruit. And we're going to be planted by rivers of water. Well, we won't understand that unless you look at it in a spiritual atmosphere. What, what, what would this be? That God is providing water for us. And his leaf shall, in a, in a season, and his leaf shall not wither. Um, if we if we don't understand the spiritual side of this, and if we don't understand um, a second meaning to words, that uh, you'd say, well, I don't have leaves, so how can my leaves wither? See, there's a number of things that we get by reading the Bible over and over and over, and those things come automatically to us as time goes along. We say, well, why is he dwelling on this business of a leaf? But if we'll do those things, Whatsoever you do shall prosper. And I've seen some people, it just seems like everything they touch turns to gold. And if they're a spiritual person, we know, wow, that's a good deal. But you know, somebody in the Bible said, don't give me all those riches because I might go wrong and, and defile your name and, and be disgusting to people. And yeah, that's the other side of it, isn't it? That getting money and getting wealth is not what it's all about. I remember when uh, Solomon was asking for wisdom 
to, to be able to handle the people of God and to make good judgments and so on. God said, that's a good one. And you know what? I'll give you that for sure. And all, everything else besides. Actually got too much in the long run. He actually ended up in a pretty bad state because he was very, very rich and too many wives and all of this kind of thing as kings had back then. The ungodly, in verse 4, the ungodly are not so, but are like the, the chaff which the wind driveth away. We don't want to be that. And now, actually, you don't understand that unless you've been around harvesting of wheat and oats and barley and, and where there is uh, the kernel that has to be saved, but the outer um, casing for it is just nothing. It's trash. The wind will blow it away. You don't want it. Nobody wants it. It's just trash. Well, we don't want to be like that like like um, something unworthy of, of any notice or anything. And the wind will drive it away. When you shake the, even we used to take just a bowl and have the wheat kernels or some other thing in there, beans or whatever, and you could shake them and bounce them in this pan, big open pan. And the dust would be blown away and the chaff would be blown away. And so this, we don't want to be like that. We want to be useful to the Heavenly Father. Verse 5. Therefore, the ungodly are not, will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. Um, interesting the way that's worded. And we need to sometimes sit down and say, standing in judgment? What's, what's that all about? Standing in judgment. Against you or for you? Or are you pro- uh, projecting something into the conversation? You're standing. You've got a right to say something. Are we helpful? Are we being, be displaying Heavenly Father's will and ways of doing things? And verse 6 is the last one there. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. The Lord, and this is capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. That's the Heavenly Father. That's the YHVH. If you look up the meaning behind those letters, because sometimes we could get confused with the Lord of the Old Testament and the Lord of the New Testament. Many times in the New Testament, it's capital L, small o, small r, small d. And that means Jesus. Wow. So you see how you have to learn to decipher some of these things. And and reading the Bible, it'll automatically put it in the right place. Start reading in the in the Genesis and so on, you'll realize that's the Heavenly Father they're talking about. You get to the New Testament, oh yeah, they're talking about Jesus. The Lord. And a right way and righteousness, the uh, ungodly shall perish, shall be consumed or burnt up or trash to get rid of, throw out the trash. Yeah. Interesting that there's words in there that we need to not just take for granted, but to think on it so that we use it elsewhere, like in the book of Revelation. We want to translate something in our minds, not because somebody told us that's what it is, but we need to understand what it's talking about and how it fits. If it talks about rivers, talks about trees, talks about leaves, talks about fruit, you know, we, we need to understand these things by learning it from the scripture itself. So I want to read uh, the 23rd Psalm and kind of catch the same idea. 
23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I don't need a shepherd. Shepherd usually herds people, don't they? Is this a good saying? or? See, we have to decipher that Jesus is our, our shepherd. The New Testament talks about that. He said, my people will be like sheep in a pen. And when I call to them, the sheep know my voice and they will come. To us, that's a real blessing that Jesus is calling us and we know that he's the right person to respond to. That we can go with him and the gate will be open. We can go his, his way and do his things. Then it's a blessing that it's a shepherd. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures and leadeth me beside the still waters. This, um, if you think of yourself as a sheep or as a human, uh, some of this doesn't sound right, doesn't seem to connect. But the more you understand the Bible and knowing that it's a blessed thing to have a quiet place to be able to go to, and sheep do not drink from fast running water or bubbling water. They need a calm area where they can go quietly to the water and drink. That's what God is providing for us here. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Yeah, that's very true. We, we know that there's bad places that we need to stay away from, but even if we were in a place that we wished we weren't, that we have protection from the Heavenly Father. Now, when I was reading this, I thought, a valley. But in my area, the valleys are very sharp and full of brush down the bottom. It was not a good place to be. There was nothing there to be had. There was uh, devil's clubs and uh, uh, prickly stuff and thorns and um, just miserable brush. Uh, you wouldn't want to be caught down there. But yea, though you walk in the valley, God will be there. I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, and thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Who's going to be hitting me? Who's going to be carrying a stick because of me? No, there's a little different picture, isn't it? You know why the shepherds carried that long stick with a hook on the end? They could beat off the wolves with one end, and the other end they could hook around a, an animal's neck gently and draw them to them and give them medicine and care and love and, and let them loose again from that big open hook. This would be a blessing to have your shepherd looking after you with a rod and a staff protection. They comfort us because we know we're well cared for. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil and my cup runneth over. You say, anoint my head with oil? I'm not so sure. I want greasy hair. The picture is different, right? We realize this oil is a blessing of God. It's not to make our hair beautiful or to uh, you know, make us greasy. Uh, I can't imagine. I knew of uh, one fellow, they used to talk about in his area of the country, they used to put butter in their hair so they could comb it and it would smear down and stay there. And you just think, wow, after a day or two. <laughs> uh, okay. So we, we need to get some insight into what these words mean and how they affect our life and, and the spiritual side, spiritual view of it. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. They say, I, I got to live in the church. 
There has to be a second meaning to this, a second understanding. The, close to the, where the Heavenly Father dwells, where His temple is, where righteousness is, where the people are singing, there's joy, because spiritual joy. Yeah, I'd like to live there always. Oh, all times, forever. Yeah, why not? We'd love to be there. So what I'm getting at here is that we have to read the Bible more than just the standard or uh, general overview. We need to get right into the Scriptures. Page two. (laughs) And this is only three quarters of a page, but let's keep going. There's so many uh, meanings that we need to gather or get to understand because... uh, there's uh, different ways words are being used around us, and and it's changing every year. Every uh, you know, every generation has a different set of words that come up, and they change the the understanding of our uh, standard uh, words that we used. If you ever watch any of the old black and white movies, you say, "Oh, I know why they took the black and white movies off of the availability." They use words like being happy and gay. And all of a sudden, every oh, you can't say that. Nothing was wrong with it. Somebody made something of it that wasn't that way in the years gone by. Uh, so words change their meaning, and we have to be careful with some of that. Uh, just going to glance at a little bit here. Oh, I told you about the uh, major prophets and the minor prophets, and it's a good thing to read them. And there's uh, actually, I was looking at that yesterday, and there's there's 17 of these prophets, but there's really only 16. What? So I had to read it again. Jeremiah wrote twice. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> now I got you going. What's the second one that he wrote? Okay. Uh, but he wrote twice. And... Uh, We run into uh, these kind of words here. I want to go to um, uh, uh, 1 Corinthians. So let me turn to 1 Corinthians. If you want to go with me, it would be great. First Corinthians chapter, chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual. Oh, you know, First Corinthians, why is he talking like that? Actually, he was giving him a good scolding for not growing up and getting spiritual and getting strong with the Lord and doing things proper. He said, I couldn't talk to you as though you were spiritual. But as, as unto carnal, the church people listening, and going to read this writing of 1 Corinthians, he says, you're not spiritual, you're carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. That's a scolding. When I first saw somebody put this on an overhead projection, it's quite funny, they talked about babes in Christ and so on, and they put up a picture of a baby in a diaper, and everybody, oh, you know, the whole crowd. It's so beautiful, such a wonderful thing. And he said, well, that's nice, but what happens if you go 
10 years, 20 years, 30 years, and you never grow out of the baby stage. And they slid the paper aside so you could see the second picture. And it was a grandpa with beard and his gray hair and had a diaper on. Now that was not funny. Didn't grow up. Didn't grow spiritually. That was the meaning of their story and what they were able to speak of. We need to grow up and grow in Christ. And verse 2 says, I have led you with, I have fed you with milk. And that's a shame on you. If you've, you know, how many years have you been in the faith and you're still needing milk? And not with meat, not with full food, not with full value of foods, heavier foods, because they couldn't stand it. They weren't grown up spiritually. For hitherto ye were not able to bear it. If he gave them the truth and gave them it hard, they, they, they wouldn't be able to stand it. Neither yet now are ye able. Uh-oh. The Corinthians weren't growing spiritually, and he just gave them a scolding. A little further along, he says, you know, I want to come and visit you guys. Do I come as a friend and somebody that really can speak to you, or do I need to come with a stick? <laughs> he was telling them, get yourself right with God before I get there so that we can all have a good time. So that's really neat. Okay, uh, so that's a scolding about uh, milk is not a problem. Um, it's a healthy food for babies. My uh, younger sister was crying and crying and crying, and they couldn't change the, the formulas and the milk type and so on. They, they just couldn't make her happy. And she was crying. My dad would come home from work and have to jostle the baby all night, try to keep the baby quiet. And then next day he's got to go back to work, and mother's turn, you know. And finally, sitting at the table one day, he said, mash up some of those potatoes and put milk in it and give it to her. She quieted right down. That's what she needed. She needed real food. <laughs> she needed something with quality. Well, that's what this is about too, quality food, spiritual food. Okay, uh, in First Peter, turn with me to First Peter. First Peter chapter two and verse two. Chapter two, verse two. As, as newborn babe babes um, desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. I know I'm reading terribly quietly because my eyesight is acting up. But hopefully we can see through these as well. A scolding in a way here, isn't it? That are we going to grow up past the babyhood and desire sincere milk of the word? Um, but we still need to start with the milk of the word and grow uh, to a stronger level so that we can take the heavier food and, and deal better. This is a, a challenge to us to, to not be stuck in babyhood, but to get to the knowledge of the scriptures and grow with it, growing up. 
And uh, 1 Peter chapter 1 is in here as well. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 23. 23. I should have done these the other way around. That's why I'm struggling here. Doing the last verse and the first last. And I went to 23 and 24. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, this is chapter 1, but verse 23. But of incorruptible and, uh, and the word of, of God, which uh, liveth and abideth forever. Verse 24. For, was it 24 I needed or was it down to... Uh, 25, uh, but the word of the Lord remaineth, endureth forever. But um, this is the word which the, which the gospel is preached unto you. We're not trying to, I guess what he's putting out is that we're not trying to come up with something real fancy and convince you that it's right. Rather, it's so basic that it's easily understood but it's only easily understood if you read the scriptures and you get um, uh, to understand the depth of simple languages of the Bible. And then some people will come along and say, well, uh, it's too hard to be translated. You have to have a minister or a preacher or somebody to translate it for you. No, that's not true. We should be able to find these truths not as a baby because we're going to grow. We may start with the milk, but we're expected to grow spiritually and be strong in the Lord. So that when we come across these chapters, like I'm right at the border to here, on uh, Revelation, uh, Revelation 12, we should be able to find our way through it relatively easy with the true church being in the Old Testament and the true church going into the New Testament. Now, as you would read that, you'd say, okay, the Old Testament had to get up to speed. They had to start understanding that the Messiah is coming. Well, supposedly nobody knew when he was coming and he, and he just sprung it on them. And no, that's not true. If you know the Old Testament, you'll realize those disciples were looking for Jesus to come. The prophet that was in the temple and, and his lady that worked with him there, they knew Jesus was coming. And he wanted to live until the Messiah came. And then he prayed and he said, the baby has arrived, now I can die. He was willing to go. His time was up, he was of age, old age. And he said, I've seen the Messiah. So they knew. And then that baby grew up. Well, the people at that time, they had 30 years to understand that verse and what was going on. 30 years. It's no wonder the disciples came and said, you know, the disciple, one disciple said to his brothers, I found him, I found the Messiah. Well, how did he know he's the Messiah? Unless he had been reading the book. <laughs> he was reading the prophets and the, and the old scriptures so that he knew that it was time for the Messiah to show up and that, that uh, he's here already. There's lots of scriptures on that and, and how 
John the Baptist preached and so on. Those people should have known years and years and years ahead of Jesus coming out into the limelight, you might say, with the preaching. They were not allowed to teach until they were 30 years old. He did. And he started doing miracles when he was 30 years old. And then some people don't know how long Jesus preached or what that meant. Well, he taught for, you know, three and a half years. And that's easy enough to find that that was three and a half years, not three and a quarter and three, three years and so on. Uh, three and a half years, that's easy enough to show. So we need to understand and read the scriptures. So let's go to, uh, to Revelation. And I'm going to pull up this other sheet. So last week, or a couple of weeks back when I preached on this same topic, a uh, similar topic, but you know, this is an expanding and going forward, that uh, after the plagues, which are, are in the scriptures that we need to read about, what was going to happen? They're called plagues. Well, we, we got them, right? They've been around. They've been coming and going and getting worse and worse. So we need to look for things like the uh, seventh angel, I asked everybody to be reading about the seventh angel and uh, read uh, in Revelation 16 all the way through because it talks about the, the angels of the Lord. Um, and what's, going, what's happening in 16? If you take your Bible and turn to 16, I can actually show you an easy way around this. Um, people say you can't. Well, let me show you how easy it is. Somebody did it for us. But turn to chapter 16, and probably in your Bible, I'm just guessing, but you could look at the top of the page, and it says up there, the seven um, last plagues. Last. Is that right? And sure enough, it is. I mean, when you read the scripture, it was the last plagues before the very end comes. So there's a big challenge going on here. Um, of knowing when this is. Not that you can tell the actual timing of when Jesus is going to return, but the last plagues. There won't be more after it. So it begins to explain the last plagues. And what, what are they uh, in chapter 16? Chapter 15, actually. Chapter 15. I'll get there in a moment. We'll go on. But chapter uh, 15 and, cha- and verse 2 it talks about this problem that's here with uh, the, the, uh, the beast and the false prophet and the image of the, of the beast and the, uh, uh, and the mark of the beast because people are going to be in big trouble if they accept the mark of the beast. Well, if, if that's true, it is. We all should read it, Right? We should know this. We should begin to understand this, that these things are going to come. We used to go back to chapter 14 and read about the third angel's message and say, our church needs to be doing and teaching the third angel's message. Well, what is it? It's come out of her, my people, and so on. Live righteously. Witness for the Lord. Be sure that you don't get caught up in this false prophet that's coming and false teachings and false ways. And um, we, we need to make sure that we stay away from that. Otherwise, we'll get into the 
wrath of God in verse 10. That's chapter 14, verse 10. There's the wrath of God is going to come. And we need to be stay out of that because it's going to come and it's going to be poured out on people. Well, we talked about that a little while back. So I want to keep going. Chapter 15 has the last plagues that are coming. And I started marking on the side of my page what these are, uh, when they're coming. But uh, in, uh, it's a very short chapter. 15 is very short, but it says it's coming. And when they couldn't go into the temple and so on because of the smoke. But for chapter 16, there's the, uh, uh, in, it says that there's seven. And then in, ver- in verse 2, 16 verse 2, it says, And the first went and poured out his vial upon the earth, and there fell a noisome and grievous sores upon men, which had the mark of the beast and the, and, 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 and unto them that, are, that worship his image. If people don't know that this is coming and they're not aware of, of a defense against the wickedness that's involved, they'll end up getting involved with the worshiping of the, the one of the mark of the beast uh, whoever that is, and, and how he's going to be betrayed, and the mark of the beast, the um, the image of the beast, and so on. They're going to get caught in that, and that's just in verse 2. So verse 3, you've got to go on to even more and deeper. So I made myself a little note here, I think, uh, if I can quickly find it. Yes, here we go. Um, in... Uh, Chapter 16, um, the angel, the first angel, is in verse 1 and 2, verse 2. And the second angel is in verse 2 and 3. And the third angel is in verse 4. The next angel is in verse 8. And then another angel is in verse 5. And Another one in verse 6. And the seventh angel is in verse 17. Now, I was going to bring Halley's Bible handbook because they lay them out in there and they say, this is the first, this is the second, this is the third. And uh, it's nice to be able to have a chart like that, you might say, where uh, you can look at it and say, this is the first a problem that shows up, and what was done to the earth? How many people died? How many people uh, got the plague? How many did this? And then you find out that they're all pointing back to those that were worshiping false idols, false teachers, false leaders. Um, they were doing wrong. They were in, in an evil situation. Um, and judgment is coming upon them. And it was so bad that they gnawed their teeth, ground their teeth, um, they, they were in this horrible situation and they weren't getting themselves out of it. It says that they would not repent. They knew it was wrong, but they would not repent. It's verse 11, I guess. Um, the, and blasphemed, these people in, in the previous verse, blasphemed the God of heaven because of the pains 
of their, to- of their sores and repented not of their deeds. That's just getting worse on worse, right? If they would repent, they could get out of all, all of that. But it's probably too late. You know, there's a line that's drawn that between right and wrong and time and no time and, and which side of that line are you? Are you going to make sure that you're ready beforehand? That this isn't going to bother you? That you're going to be able to see this happening and say, yep, I, I read about that, I understood that. When the seventh angel speaks in verse 17 and pours out his vial in, in the air, and each one had a place to pour his vial, uh, and then he says in the end of verse 17, it is done. All of these terrible things that were coming is done. But, but why was it done? It was because they hated God and they disobeyed God. And so God poured out in the bottom of verse 19, the cup of, the, of, of wine of the fierceness of his wrath. Oh boy, we don't want to be there, do we? We want to make right with God first. We don't want any of the uh, wrath of God on us. And then there was great hail that came down. Uh, and I know I've mentioned a little of that in, in the previous sermons. But then you go into verse 17, chapter 17, and verse 1, and you start again with seven angels and the seven vials, and an angel starts explaining some of these things. Now, this is where it gets quite interesting. If you can bear with me just a little longer here. Um, I do need these, but not at the moment. Let's see if I can put some down or put it aside. In uh, in uh, verse 1, it talks about, And there came one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials, and talked with me, saying and saying unto me, Come, hither, and then the word I is at the bottom of the page over there, I will show you uh, what's going on. I'll show you unto, unto the, the judgments and the, of the great whore that sitteth upon the many waters. Now when you first read this, you've got to go back and I've got to decipher these things. This, is a, this woman is a church but a very, very bad church. I called a whore. And there's going to be a judgment against her. And she sits on many waters. That This waters is people. She's ruling over nations. This church is ruling over many nations. And it, it even explains how wealthy the, the church is, how, how much power the, it has. And verse 3, is, uh, it's a woman because on the good side, Jesus is coming back for his bride, which is the church, a soul. So the bad bride is here, the wicked woman, wicked woman. And she's got all the beautiful colors. Um, she's got uh, um, colors of the beast full of names of blasphemy. Well, that's not a good church. That's not a good woman. A heads, uh, has seven heads and ten horns. 
The woman was arrayed with purple, which is royalty colors, uh, and scarlet, royalty, uh, and uh, decked with gold and precious stones and pearls and having the... Um, having a golden cup in her hand full of the abominations. Yeah, that's what she'd like to have. And um, um, abominations and uh, it won't, won't spell out for me. Filthiness of her fornication. She's a very filthy church, filthy people uh, that ran the church of this, this woman. Um, Wow. And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery Babylon, the great, the mother of harlots and the abomination of the earth. This church is so bad and she's got daughters and she's taught them how to be a harlot. And there's wickedness and wickedness upon wickedness. And you can understand where... Jesus said when he returns, would he find faith? This wicked woman is doing these wicked things. And it's a church of some kind. And it's called Babylon. Babylon is confusion and it's kind of ordered after the old Babylon of, of the east when uh, the captivity of the children of Israel went to Babylon. That area was a bad area. Wickedness was there. And verse 6 and I saw the woman, this church, drunken with the wine of the, uh, of the saints, with the blood of the saints, pardon me. Um, I better start that over. And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And wow, they kill the people that believe in Jesus Christ and, and ring that up as a challenge point and I did this and I did this and I did this. These are like banners. No, no, no. This is very, very bad. And he wondered. And this with great amazement. And then the next verse kind of explains that too, that uh, you're shocked that a church with all this wealth and so on could be so horrible, do so many bad things. And they're still finding children that have been killed next door to the churches. Yeah, my sister was telling me about that. In, in Canada, they're digging them up and making, trying to make the churches where the babies were found to pay some restitution. It was mainly to, to the um, Indian people, native Indian people. Anyway, this is, this is true. It, uh, not too long ago, I even got a hold of a movie that was on uh, on YouTube about the the nun story, where she tells her own personal story. And wow, I first heard that in about 1952, somewhere back there. And it's still on YouTube, or has been placed on YouTube, to tell what goes on behind the scenes. Wow. Okay. In verse 7, and the angel said unto me, Wherefore didst thou marvel? Why are you marveling? I will tell you, tell the uh, mystery of the woman. He's going to explain. And the beast which carried her, and the seven heads and ten horns. 
And it says that this is, uh, is it right here? Um, there is a verse very, oh, down uh, verse nine, the seven mountains. Okay, the, uh, then I saw in my mind, which um, hath wisdom, those that have wisdom to think this over, the seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sitteth. Uh, okay, so go to Google. A city with seven mountains, seven hills. And it's straight away, as easy as can be, comes up with Rome. And it tells that there is five now, but there used to be seven, and two belong to this category and two don't, and the other five belong to this. It's right there. Anybody can look it up. This is talking about Rome. And the seven kings, five are, uh, are fallen, and one, uh, one is, and the other is not, Yet come, and um, oh, I can't get it. Space. Okay, if you were reading that from the uh, encyclopedia, you would see that there is these number of leaders, these kings. Um, verse twelve. And the ten horns which thou sawest are ten kings. So there you are. It identifies itself, explains itself. Which have received no kingdom as yet, but receive power as kings one king, one, one hour with the beast. They're, these kingdoms are going to be working with the beast power and they're going to get power from that arrangement, that, that working together with with a um, bad government, bad king. And verse 14, these shall uh, make war with the lamb. Lamb? With Jesus Christ, he's the lamb of God, the one that died for us. So they're gonna make war with Jesus. And the lamb shall overcome them, for for he is the Lord of lords and king of of kings, and they, uh, they that are with him are called, are you one of those that are with Jesus? And are you referred to as the called? Yes, should be. And the chosen? Yes, should be. And the faithful? Should be. See how we can decipher this quite easily by knowing the scriptures elsewhere, and when you get to hear it, okay, that's it. In verse 15, And he saith unto me, the waters, ah, I told you something about waters, right? Which thou sawest have, uh, which thou sawest, where the whore sitteth, and the people and the multitudes and nations and tongues. This is, is he's identifying who these waters are that were there where the whore was, but it's actually people and nations and multitudes of nations and uh, many tongues of nations. So very easy again to say, okay, this is what this means. This, 
It explains itself. The ten horns which thou sawest upon the beast, these shall hate the whore and, and shall make her desolate and naked and shall eat her flesh and burn her with fire. So even her own friends <laughs> and the devil and so on is, is going to be bad for each other. For God hath put in their hearts to fulfill his will and to agree with, agree and give their kingdom unto the beast until the words of God shall be fulfilled. In the last verse, and the woman which thou sawest is that great city which reigneth over the people, over the kings of the earth. This woman is that kingdom, is, is that city. And the scriptures say, come out of her, my people. Don't stay there. Don't be around that. That's in the next words down the way, just a little bit further on here. But I'll need to quit here. I think my eye has been tortured. <laughs> uh, uh, one eye doesn't do anything much, and the other one is, is confused, I guess. So it makes reading very difficult. Sorry about that. But do read this. Uh, and as you read more smoothly and full, run into the next chapter, at least a few verses, down about four verses. And it'll talk about plagues and it'll talk about wickedness that goes on. And uh, we need to stay away from the bad people, the false kingdoms and false teachers and leaders. And... Uh, uh, and very much so stay with Jesus Christ and righteousness. May God bless you.